Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the DJ, and with me today, I have Debbie Boy and the Professor. Boy. What's going on, Debbie Boy? He's turning into a Pokemon. Quick, Professor, catch him with your Pokemon Go. I don't even have that at the moment. My phone broke. <laughs> I ordered the replacement parts, and Australia Post said it's delivered. Never turned up. Quick, he's getting away. I'm back. No, um, oh, pretty good. Pretty. Uh, finished uni, and now I'm just like, what have I done with my life? So, well, not finished uni yet, but yeah, finished uh, summer holidays, you know. So it's kind of like that. See the, way you, see, see, the way you say that, like, what am I doing with my life? You make it sound like some a- anime protagonist, like, what am I doing with my life? No, that was a reference to something else. <laughs> I, don't know, I think Professor might have picked up on it, though. Uh, Did he pick up on it at all? Did you pick up on that? Kinda. I, I, my, my mind's kind of shy at the moment, so you have to fill me in. <laughs> oh, it's part from a music video. Ah... Uh, Talking heads, you know. Oh, yes. This is not my beautiful wife. This is not my large automobile. How did I get here? (laughs) Yeah. I I keep saying, what? Yeah, how did I get here? What do I do with my life? Yeah, okay. I got please stop that quote. Good on me. (laughs) Goddamn. Stop. How did I get here? What am I doing with my life? They're basically hand in hand with that music video. I was thinking more Metal Gear Solid, like, why am I, why are we here? Why are no, we true, right, yeah. <laughs> Reference a lot of things. How about you, Professor? How have you, how have you been? Mostly the us- usual work, sleep, eat, and, and having I... lots of fun with people who don't realise you can't print in colour on a black and white printer. <laughs> how long did it take for, uh, for him to figure it out? After About a t- minute, once I, like, once I explained it to them. <laughs> Before the, before you came in, I bet you must have looked at him and go like, "Look at that man." Yeah, when I got the ticket and I pulled up in the notes and I was like, "Yeah, that it's, that site has a black and white printer." I was just like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> but I try not to do that too much. Uh, give it, because give it my some... job's to help the people. I don't want to upset the people and scare them away. <laughs> I can imagine, like, you, Professor, just one day you just snap and just go, <laughs> you know what? I am done with this. I'm getting out of here. And if anyone wants to stop me, <laughs> prepare prepare yourself. Yeah, if I did that, I definitely wouldn't be getting the annual award. <laughs> Speaking of awards, DJ, what's our first topic? Uh, our first topic is the 2020 Game Award nominations that dropped today. There we go. My segues are so good, I can even do them when it's not my week. <laughs> Flipping neat. Okay, so uh, a lot of awards this year. I think it's so many categories. I can't actually tell, but um, quite like, what is it? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine, so it's like, 18, 17 categories or something. But, I mean, the one we all care about is Game of the Year. So, mm. this year we've got Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing. Hades. Hades, sorry. Um, and The Last of Us Part Two. So, they're our nominations. Ooh, um, that's, a very, that's an impressive lineup. Yeah, I mean, I personally have been for Hades, considering it's an indie game. Um, so, an indie game with all the big boys 
always going to vote for the underdog. But what do you, what do you guys think? Oh, um, personally, I would like to see. Um, I, I'm my bets are either on Doom Eternal or Tsushima. I'm kind of surprised. Um, like Alex gets a couple of other nominations, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised not that. Yeah. yeah, it didn't get game of the a game of the year nomination. So I think it'll probably go to either Ghost of Tsushima or Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I'm, 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 on, the, <laughs> no, I'm on the same page. You're saying the critics and everything. I think it's Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima. Not that that's my personal opinion. I think Ghost of Tsushima definitely earns it. Last of Us Part Two, I mean, if you want, I mean, I haven't played it myself, so I can't. I'm not really going to comment on the whole. You know, man, has occurred this year over it. But like, I, I think Ghost of Tsushima's story, from what I've seen from it, is superior one. Um, yeah. And gameplay wise as well, I think it's a better game. Um, but then here's the problem though: like with most of these game awards, it's it's not really like it's not really viewers' choice kind of thing. It's more of the what which one got the most positive press. Is it though? Because this is a uh, community vote. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So you can vote for these. Like yeah, right now, I'm signing up 50 additional accounts to vote for Fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't cheat. I mean, I'm pretty sure they check your IP address anyway. <laughs> Probably. Um, I'd hope they would have. Look, some knowing people yeah. on the internet, I'd hope they have figured that out by now. Hey, 4chan, <laughs> is that a poll? But yeah. Um, so yeah. So what do you? What do you? We've talked about that. And I, I think, I think yeah, I'll be between Ghost of Shima or Last of Us Part Two. We'll have to think it, work it out. I do as hell. I don't think it's game of the year material. It's fucking amazing, but not game of the year. Same as Final Fantasy Remake. Like it's still a great game, but it's not. It's the first of a few games. It's it's not a full package. And then Animal Crossing. I'd say uh, Final Fantasy kind of fell a bit flat. Yeah, like the beginning seems to be really good, but the uh, end game of the it's sort of weird saying end game considering this is only like episode one. But the end game of episode one or whatever you're calling this. Is a bit uh, a bit weak from what I've heard. Hmm. But then I guess we'll move on to best game direction. Um, so once again, we've got Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, and Last of Us Part Two. Now, personally, I've heard of a Half-Life Alex. I think the direction of that game is amazing in the sense of it's not your usual movie direction. It's directing the player through a VR experience, which obviously is a lot more a lot more difficult than just throwing camera angles around um, and doing it effectively as well. So that's why I voted for that one. But yeah, what's your guys' thoughts? Um, so is that game direction as in like film direction? I thought it was award for outstanding creative vision, innovation in the game direction and design. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was, yeah, it was more for design. Yeah. I think, um, I'd like to see Alex win that one because it, um, from what I've heard, it's by far the best, uh, shooter game on VR at the moment. It's the only AAA experience on VR, which feels like a full fledged AAA video game. And I've played it. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think everyone's going to be copying it for the next few years. Oh, yeah. always sets a trend. Yeah. I always, I would think Ghost of Tsushima might take this one because even though, okay, we can all say that Ghost of Tsushima is Assassin's Creed on, um, in Japanese times, it still had like some great innovative moments and some great innovative direction in terms of how, the sto- the narrative of the the pacing of the story, the game styles. Oh no, I agree. And like, it, well, who was it made by? It was maybe Ubisoft. Ubisoft. I mean, it's, maybe it's like a Punch Studios, of course. But yeah. is it Sucker Punch and Sony? Oh yeah, Sony himself. So yeah, it, it's. I was about to say. I mean, it's it's not your average U- Ubisoft, you know, flipping open world adventure game, right? Like the Assassin's Creed and stuff. Like it switches it up a lot. So yeah, yeah. I agree. 
But uh, on to the next one, we'll keep things going. So don't take like a million years for these 18 categories. Uh, best narrative. So we got uh, 13 Sentinels, a Final Fantasy VII remake, Ghoshima, uh, Hades, and Last of Us Part Two. Now, mm. my personal went to Final Fantasy VII remake. And that's only because of the fact they they did something different with the yeah. narrative. They really outdid themselves in terms of like pushing it to new levels. Um, it never felt like the end game. I think they've really expanded on what they. It, it was a narrative people were not expecting, basically. I think they did a good job with that. I mean, you say the same thing about Last of Us Part Two, but you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, with Last yeah, of Us think, Part Two. Oh, sorry, sorry. I think narratively, Last of Us was so controversial. From what I've read, I haven't played it, but from what I've read, it's so controversial because it makes you. It really gets you into the bad guys. It it's not so that for my reason. Okay, the controversial part is because Ellie and Joel die. Well, Ellie doesn't spoil us. She doesn't. But Joel, of course, <laughs> dies. Blah blah blah. But the controversy. My issue with the game, for what I've because it's all been spoiled and I've watched the whole playthrough. My issue is it forces you to do despicable things, right? So it forces you to kill this dog, kill this person. Then later on, it goes, "Oh, you killed the dog! What a terrible person you are! How could you? Uh, <laughs> I only could have done something different, you know." Like, kind of like kill the dog. Spec ops the line, basically. Yeah, it's, it's that like, whole. It's your choice to do the bad things, but then you get that um that white white phosphorus f- scene where you have yeah. to do it. And it basically it does that multiple. T- it's just like white phosphorus scene spread it like throughout the whole game. That's the whole game's purpose is saying you do bad stuff. Now, how dare you do the bad stuff? But the second you don't do the bad stuff, it forces you to do the bad stuff, gives you a game over. Hmm. So it's like, it's a video game. And it's it just like, if you're doing a narrative video game, don't force a player to do something. It's like, make a movie. If that's hmm. what you're doing. That's, that's my thoughts, personally, see, as a designer. See, with Last of Us Part Two, in terms of um, narrative-wise... I was uh, so I was watching what um, I was hearing what Druckmann was trying to point out. He was trying to do the whole revenge is bad, everybody. Revenge is bad, and um, and you and we're we're forced to um make t- tough choices in a in a rough world like this. I mean, it's a bold choice, and and uh, oh, and also plus a Neil Druckmann also likes to put the whole revenge is bad kind of thing. Like, yeah, you have but, said revenge is bad three times in the last thirty seconds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we get the point. The 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 the. The elements are there for a great story, but the pacing, the setup, and the execution are lacking in terms of the, compared to the first game, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Like even like for that part where so Abby kills jo- Joel. Sorry, guys, spoilers just out the ears here. I'm oh, no. so sorry. <laughs> uh, I bet you that many people have played this game by now. They've gone, eh. but um. Yeah, when Abby kills um when Abby k- kills um Ellie's friend and Ellie decides to go okay I'm gonna kill I- I'm gonna kill her I'm gonna kill her and then when it comes to that moment and then he all of a sudden finally says no I'm not gonna kill her that's like you you did all this and nothing <laughs> yeah I mean well, it's also growing as a character if yeah, you learn that you don't need revenge. It's less of a um, less of a thing if you've just spent the last hour killing dozens of enemies. Yeah. How many games are there where you kill hundreds of enemies, get to the boss, and then you're like, "I'm not going to bring myself to your level and leave them alive." <laughs> Hi, Uncharted. How many necks are just that? But um, I think I think it would have worked. Like I understand the ending is good. The ending is good if you take it out of context of the rest of the game, and that's the issue. I think I think they just had to. The way they string a plot, a plot together just doesn't work, I feel. Like it had having your players that good and bad guy at the same time is showing they're both equals. That's really cool. But 
it's just not it's not sweeved together in a way that's compelling basically yeah like they could have done they could have done the whole like Abby, Joel, and um, Ellie were friends, and all of a sudden, Abby decides to backstab yeah. him and stuff, or something. Or something. But yeah. we're going to move on, because we're always going to be, like, to live a million hours. Yeah, yeah. I about plus, 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 two, once more. Uh, <laughs> so on to best art direction. So we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Shima, Hades, uh, Ori and, so the new Ori in the Blind Forest um, sequel, which is Ori and the Wheel of the Whispers. And last of us, part two. That's a so. hard one because Tsushima, Hades, and Ori are all very distinct. Yes. Mm. I personally choose Tsushima, considering the down to it looks fucking beautiful. Um, like, I mean, yeah, last of us, part two also is beautiful, but I think, I don't know. I, I think last of us, part two is going to get it simply because of those root physics. I try to go to Tsushima because I just like the Japanese style that it with and like the, the physics and everything works really well in an action game, which is always difficult to do graphically well. Hmm. Um, yeah, Tsushima was really nicely stylized. Yeah. Yes. And that grass is gorgeous. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's my personal opinion. But yeah, what do you guys what do you guys feel? Um I'm picking Ori. Ori? Ori. I, I've seen um playthroughs of that game and it looks beautiful. Mm, it looks no, really beautiful. Like just the art style, the um, mechanics of it all, the um when the even the when the trees burning you can see the fire and like wow that's pretty cool yeah that's a very unique and i think the benefit of ori of the other games even though you have a different one is i think ori will never age yeah meanwhile goes to shima uh hades hades is a 2d art style so it won't age uh, but i think it's quite on the same level as the other games though you know it's really pretty but the final place of remake it goes to shima last part two all gonna age in the next coming years but hades and ori will last forever mm. but in terms of, like right now i think goes to shima looks better yeah well Better in the terms of like different art, like this is why I hate art styles. Art styles are so sort of subjective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, best score of music. So we got Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, the Ori game again, and Last of Us Part Two. I personally choose Doom Eternal because it's Doom Eternal, man. The music is the game. <laughs> yeah, but there was some real, there was some real in- issues with that game um, soundtrack and how. Yeah, I mean it. The game itself's fine, but the soundtrack ran issues because the, the composer, I think Mike Gordon, no? Mike Gordon. Yeah, Mick Gordon, yeah, Mick Mick Gordon, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he ran issues because he wasn't keeping up the schedule. So then Bethesda put out a CD which wasn't up to par, and everyone got angry at Bethesda. And Mick Gordon was like, well, I mean, Bethesda's like, well, he never submitted the music to us on time. And it's the contract, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it was just the whole, like, you know, mess. And then Bethesda kicked him out. I'm like, oh. Oh, you monsters. No, I think that's very right on their part. I mean, he, even knowing his music's amazing, he didn't keep to the contract. I mean, if, if you've got to set out time to get something done, you can't keep saying you're going to get the week after, you're going to do it like a month's time. You've got to get it done by the, by the due date, man. Hmm. I mean, obviously, I think they should give him a little more leeway, leeway, but still, I feel like, you know, you got a deadline, and in the AAA development studio, you got to keep up with them. But yeah, what do you think, Professor? Professor? Um, I don't really know the soundtracks of any of these well enough to make a call here, I think. Yeah. No, that's very fair. If, if I were to put my money on it, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Come on, Final Fantasy VII music. Uh, Final Fantasy VII music was the soundtrack was to die for back in the day. True, but the remake, I don't know if it's any different. I mean, also they were using some original songs, but I haven't played it, so I can't really tell. Depends, eh? Yeah. Anyways, this was the easier one. So best audio design. So we got Doom Eternal, Half of Alex, Ghost of Shima, Resident Evil 2, Res 3, sorry, Resident Evil 3, and Last of Us Part 2. 
I choose Half Life Alex simply because the sound effects in that game are amazing. You can hear the sloshing of bottles and stuff. Like everything has a sound effect. Hmm. For this one, I could say I I want to put Last of Us Part Two on this one. Yeah. Yeah, with the um um like from the from the um, walkthroughs I've been seeing, like the like um, enemy um en- enemies how they whistle and stuff. It's just so eerie mm. to look at, and you're like ah. And the shotgun sounds, and the sound, and you can hear the sound of pe- of um, Abby punching a punching a person. He's just like, oh, it's bone crunching. Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely a tie between those two, especially because both like both Naughty Dog and Valve have that you know that desire to make art and push themselves to the limits, especially in audio design. So it's going to be a close contender, I feel. Mm. What do you think, Professor? Yeah, I'm not sure I can make a call there either. No, the call cool either. Hey, right, we'll move no. on to best performance. So, all right, so best performance is basically best performance as a video game. So you've got Ashley Johnson as Ellie, Lara Bailey as um, Abby, and then you got a uh, Japanese name. Uh, I can do this one. Uh, Daisuke Tsuji. Thank you for Ghost yep. Shima, uh, the main character of that. Uh, Logan for Hades inside the game. Love Hades. And uh, 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 Naji Jita. Thank you. Dyslexia kills me. Uh, <laughs> for Miles Morris. Uh, I think Ooh. Last of Us will take this one. I feel. Yeah. I've heard The Last of Us. Like, compared to how the conference of the game came out, the performances were still extremely well done. They pushed themselves to their limits. So I think, I think it's going to definitely one of those two. You know, I'm going to agree with you that I've heard that they have good performances, but that, that row where they've just got the two screaming characters just reminds <laughs> me of every App Store game. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some screaming character on the... <laughs> Yeah, that, that like yeah, it's just like these two screen characters as their portraits and the best performance. See, I would say Laura Bailey will take this one because she's the she's the big name out of all of them. Yeah, I think so. I think as well. All right, on to games. We're getting there. We're halfway through now. Games for impact. Now I haven't technically played any of these. Uh, so we got If Found, Kentucky Route Zero, uh, Spirit Further, Spirit Father, 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 Father. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Fair, right, but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, tell me why, and through the darkness of times. Uh, I personally voted for If Found because I looked up in Steam and it was really nice. I just had to choose one. I didn't really have one I personally was attached to. So what is Games of Impact? So through a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meanness or message. So basically pushing to, pushing forward in uh, good ways. What is your game, uh, Debbie boy? What is your <sighs> game? <laughs> one day. One day, my friend. One day. <laughs> But yeah, I can't really make a call. I don't think any of you guys can as well, hey? No, I haven't uh, played any of these. No, yeah, like, me neither. Yeah. No. Uh, if, if Found looks really good. So I reckon I've been looked at it. It's only got like 200 Steam reviews though. So um, I think really check it out. Like it graphically, it looks lovely, especially the art style and colors. Um, but we'll go on to best ongoing game. So we got Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. I usually choose No Man's Sky because they really, like out of all these games, they've pushed them. They've literally released like three games <laughs> in the one. They yeah. really have done themselves and pushing back. So I hope they get it because they deserve it, honestly. To be fair, they've gone from hardly a game to a competent game. And that's like, if they'd released a competent game in the first place, there wouldn't be as much room to grow. Mm. No, but I think... But yes, it is the, uh, the it has evolved the most over time. Yeah. Like, I reckon... Oh, sorry, you first. No, you can. You go. I have nothing more to so. uh, I reckon it's going to be a three-way tie between Apex Legends, Call of Duty, and For- uh, Fortnite. You're not wrong, given it's public voting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most likely Fortnite, the 12-year-old's got your spam accounts open. <laughs> uh, 
Maybe on to best stop. I don't know. Call of Duty might 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 catch up. You never know. You never know. Like it, honestly, I hope No Man's Sky. But yeah, you might, like any of those top first three probably will get it, considering yeah. how big they are. Yeah. Um, best indie game. So we got oh, what? Oh, this is that new game with the monster Carver. Yeah. Carver. Carrion. Uh, Carrion. Carrion. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it looks really good. I fucking want to play it. Um, Four Guys, Ultimate Knockouts, Hades, Spelunky 2, and uh, Spirit Feather. Um, I choose Spelunky 2 because of retro indie stuff. You know, it's been a long time coming and they deserve, you know, there was a big game back in the day and it's good when they're making a sequel. I don't think Four, Four Guys really should be best indie game. Like, it was a big viral game, but it's not exactly... You know, breaking new ground. I've got um, way too many hours into Fall Guys. <laughs> well, you, yeah, I know when using a tech fan. Um, no, I didn't want to play it. I wanted to check how many hours I have. <laughs> want to play some more and have festival? Let's go. Ah, screw it. See you later. Speaking of Fall Guys, did you guys hear about um today how someone on Twitch got kicked out for um cheating in Fall Guys? We won't be surprised. <laughs> Like, how did you? How can you cheat in four guys? To be fair, because people love cheating, man. There were a lot of hacks when it first came out. It was so bad, and they fixed it and it became playable again. Hmm. But in terms of who might win this award, it's like I said, it's popular vote. So it's probably four guys, yeah. It'd be, yeah, it'd be four guys, it'd be either four guys or Carrion. Yeah, I think Carrion, I like to see when it's so unique. Um, Yeah. But yeah, there's not on. many you play the monster games. Pardon? There's no. not many you play the monster games. It's especially in Nick 2D's style sort of monster game. Like most of them are 3D. Yeah. The, so. the, last, the last monster game I ever played, if I recall, was Prototype. That was fun. Yeah, I think I've seen that one, yeah, a while ago. Yeah. Anyways, uh, on to the best mobile game among us. Call of Duty <laughs> Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legend, Legends of Ruterra. Deterra, thanks. And then Pokemon Cafe Mix, whatever the hell that is. I've never oh, seen that before. I, my girlfriend's been playing Pokemon Cafe. I don't know if it's Mix or not. What is it? What is Pokemon Cafe Mix? Like, I know Pokemon Go. Look at me. I know my mobile gaming. Uh, so, <laughs> like From what I've seen, it's this weird sort of uh, bejeweled type thing, but different. Oh, a, I see. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, so it's a puzzle game. Uh, I've heard Among Us simply because for a mobile game, holy shoot, that has destroyed everything. Um, I think, I, think if I think there's Genshin Impact, though. I think I think Genshin Impact, like, I don't know. It's graphically better, but it, it's also very samey to a lot of armor ball games if you compare it to other ones that have been out before, mm. right? Among Us is so, it was so unique in this concept, it just blew everything out of the water. Yeah. Um, and I think the devs also deserve it after being such a small team and after three years of having nothing and then having this much exposure. They deserve a award. Yeah, but he, okay. Here's the problem, though. When, when it, like, I, I find it, I find it such a bad thing that Among Us is part of the mobile game platform. Like, really? Is it a mobile game? To, come on, let's be honest. Like, well, it's available on mobile. You can play it on mobile. Like, yeah. Would you it's play also, Call of Duty on mobile? It's also free on mobile as yeah. well. So it's more, more players on mobile than it does on PC, I believe. Yeah, but normally for mobile games, it's always the there's always that stigma when it comes to mobile games that yeah, it's just a cash grab. Uh, yeah, but also nah, depends where you look. But I mean, most mobile games are. Man, what what are you, what's your thoughts on Genshin Impact being on the, being a mobile game? Then hey, huh? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of these are really true. game. <laughs> As you said, it's a cash game. So 
You're not wrong. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> I caught my own foot. Anyway, same professor. professor. There, professor. Yeah. Pokemon Go. Sorry, Pokemon Cafe is probably the closest to what I'd call a traditional mobile game. Anyway, yeah. Like the others look like something that's ported off a console, which in the case yeah. of Call of Duty Mobile is actually true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. All right, so let's move on to best community support. So this is the best outstanding support to the community, uh, recognizing transparency, responsiveness, and uh, inclusivity. So Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Four Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Valorant. I choose Ooh. No Man's Sky again. This is... Yeah. How could you go from being the most hated game in 2017 to being the most liked game? In, well, not the most liked game, but, you know, but your community I, going at that turnaround. Yeah, yeah I, a, few, um, a few months after it came out, when they actually started communicating, it really became something different. Yes. Because up until it came out, they were, they were lying, even on the day it came out, lying about how it worked and everything. So then they came out and admitted that they stuffed up and fixed it. They'll fix it. Which mm. is, you can't say for many games. Anyways, uh, on to best VR slash AR games. We've got Dreams, oh. which is... Oh, sorry, just saying to say, sorry. Uh, I was yeah, I was going to say, with, but uh, with community support, I reckon they're going to put more emphasis on um, outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. Uh, I reckon it would be a three-way tie with, like, uh, Four Guys, Fortnite, and Valorant. So, yeah, but that's True. just me. Four Guys has had a very unique marketing and community response uh, campaign going through. Uh, Destiny yeah. 2, ha <laughs> ha, laughs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Man, it's a, it's a hard yeah. one. It really depends. Destiny 2, the game that's got such a great developer, they're taking away half the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because this... of, uh, technically, it's because of storage concerns. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not happy about it. I can tell, yeah. Hi, Bungie. Um, anyway, this, this category is easy to work out which one, to get, which one is the best game. So best VR such AR. So Dreams, which is a great game in itself. Half-Life Alex, Marvel's Iron Man VR, Star Wars Squadrons and The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. Talk about Alex, man. What else are you going to choose? It's going to win. Yeah, Alex Alex is the clear winner for this one. I mean, even though like Star Wars Squadrons could be a close second. I'm going to cry. Yeah, well, I've seen videos of Saints and Sinners and it looks good, but it still has that clunkiness that I haven't seen in uh, Alex. Yeah, Alex has been polished to hell and back with some Alf games. What do you guys think of the uh, Iron Man VR? Eh. It, it, it looks kind of generic to me, to be honest. There's already been a million VR games that's come out that do the exact same thing. This one just has Iron Man tagged on it. Yeah, they did a, a Spider-Man a while back that I'd be more interested in playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the web swinging is a more interesting movement mechanic than a jetpack. Yeah. Although what would be interesting, though, I hope that um, because Iron Man's thrusters are in his hands, aren't they? Yes. So I'd hope that you'd be able to steer by moving your arms. That would be cool. That would be cool. Because they're making jetpacks that actually do that now. They do, yeah. You watch Tom Scott's video, didn't you? Well, actually, I saw them a few weeks ago. Apparently, oh. they're selling them to uh, emergency services in England. Because what? then the emergency, huh? yeah, when you go to a national park and break your leg, they can zip someone up the mountain to check you out while you wait for the uh, the full rescue team to get there. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, that's oh, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, on the next category, innovation accessibility, which is a pretty clear winner. Uh, so yeah, innovation accessibility basically is accessibility for people with disabilities and stuff like that. So it just helps everyone play the game in a wider audience, give the wider audience to the game. So Assassin's Creed Valiant, Grounded, Hyper Root, 
Last of Us Part Two and Watch Dogs Legions. And I think Last of Us Part Two is a clear winner with their accessibility options. Uh, that one's Hyper Dot, not Hyper Root. But yeah, Last of Us has so many options. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. I think. Yeah, I'm glad to see Groundedness here because I saw the trailer looked really interesting and I'm surprised it got won an award considering it was such a small game. I'm yeah, they, they're still heavily in development. They just released a, a big big update recently. Yeah. But um, I'm not aware of the accessibility in any of these other games. No. I just know Last of Us has so many options. Yeah. Um, okay, on the next category, best action. So we're getting a bit more fun times again. So you've got Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life Alex. Uh, what's this? Nitro two? Uh, Neo. Neo. Oh, that Neo two. Okay. Team Ninja. Oh, okay. And then Street Rage four. I personally voted for Street to Rage four because it's the god, it's the grandfather, uh, <laughs> and I have played it and I love Street to Rage, so that's why I voted for that one. But yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? Mm, I'd say uh, it's it's a tie between Doom Eternal and Half Life Alex. Yeah, most likely. I feel the same. Actually, yeah. no. I would say Half Life Alex not really because it's not really an action game. It's a horror game. It's more so. I mean, it has just shooting and stuff, but I guess in a way, that's a hard. Half Life Alex is a weird game. I can't really describe it honestly. Like Doom Eternal, I'm just agree with, but like Half Life Alex is like I don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's let's wrap it up. Let's wrap the other awards up before we. This is going to be a long, long night. Holy shit! a ton more. We will be here all night. Yeah. yeah. Although uh, I just like to ask. Okay, um, but let's let's go for the okay. Let's go for the big one. Let's go for the big ones like best family and best fighting. What do you reckon? Of course, you pick the fighting one. Yeah, yeah. I know the one you want to pick out. Let's do best role playing because we're all weaves here. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say best strategy. Or oh yeah. Okay. Strategy. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> so for best role playing, we've got Final Fantasy VII Remake, Gaijin Impact, Persona Five, Wasteland Three, and Yakuza, which I love. My Yakuza. Mm-hmm. I chose Gaijin Impact because the only one I played, and I. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I reckon it'll be a Final Fantasy because it's, yeah, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be everyone's favorite and you know nostalgia, nostalgia will coming through. Uh, best fighting? What do you guys reckon? Best fighting, oh. uh, Mortal Kombat. Everything okay. else I haven't heard of. Yep. Yep. I don't even Truth. play fighting games, so I don't have any right to speak here. Best Fair family, enough. I think, will be Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Although that has terrible multiplayer features. It's not multiplayer. It's best family. <laughs> Don't let know. Uh, best sim, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah, that's definitely up there. <laughs> Nothing yeah. else really compares. Uh, best sport, Dirt Fire is my thoughts because I love the Dirt series. Yeah, but then FIFA, there's always FIFA. and uh, Oh, I know. Oh, that'll be an interesting one because FIFA and NBA have been really swamped with the uh, loot boxes and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, it could be dirt. It could be F one, or it could be Tony Hawk. I, re- I Tony want Tony Hawk, Hawk to win it. Tony, yeah, uh, yeah Tony player. Hawk's done like the one, the only one there that's different. True. Yeah. Formula One's the same year after year. FIFA's the same year after year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but yeah, what you re- overall with the awards? You reckon? So you reckon one more, uh, one more award? Oh yeah, best multiplayer. Oh yeah, uh, among us, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Well, I reckon, I, yeah, I reckon Among Us might win it, but then again, you got Fall Guys, so it's going to be a, a tie between Fall Guys and Among Us. So nah, I think Among Us will have it based on popular yeah. vote. Fall yeah. Guys has kind of died after it's. I, I, I really, I really feel for the Fall Guys team. They must be so angry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's died. Not, it's not, not died, died no. anymore. I think, but it still has a really healthy player base. Yeah, I think it's more 
one thing is like you got this it was really weird this year like you got really popular like four guys there's this small game among us game just comes out of nowhere it's just <laughs> it's the imposter it comes through just bursts everything I'm like what um but yeah so yeah that's the awards done yep uh, thank you. But uh, but yeah, as I was gonna say, I reckon when it comes to overalls, I reckon we might see a bit. If, if I I hope we don't get another twist where it's like Red Dead Redemption wins all the other awards and then Best Game of the Year God of War wins it. Uh, I just want Razor Bow Bro to win again. That's all. <laughs> the Razor Robot from two years ago. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I think overall it's pretty solid. Mm. I have no qualms what got nominated this year. I think um, Mario winning. What wins yeah. deserves it. Everybody got nominated. At least they could throw that. So I think it's uh, very uh, reasonable. Well, I bet. Well, even though um, whoever, I bet you whoever wins these awards, so there there is going to be a lot of spending on it. Oh, yeah. uh, unlike EA with their new uh, spending tool. Keep working on it. <laughs> yeah. So FIFA is getting a tool called Playtime which will let you limit how much money you can spend, uh, how much, how many loot boxes you can open, and how long you can play. So basically, don't play a game. <laughs> uh, thanks, Stacey. I'll take that advice from you. Yeah. I'm surprised EA is doing this. Yeah, especially on FIFA, of all um, things. It's, it's, I'm not, it's not that I'm surprised, because they're trying to circumvent the new laws and regulations that have been put in across Europe. True. It's the whole reason, so they can basically say, we did stuff, look, look, yeah, it has that stuff, but we've added pro- things in there to stop people from spending too much. So it's basically a whole way to keep the game in there and let, make them do minimal work instead of, like, just not selling it. Um, so it's like, you know... Mm, I see you doing there. I like EA's no, message. I suppose oh, this sorry. is forcing them to take action. They don't like, like I was saying a few months back when we were talking about loot boxes. If the industry doesn't regulate itself, the government will. This is the industry re- trying to regulate itself. So uh, I can't really criticize them too much. No, uh, uh, at least they're do- uh, at least they're doing something. That's what I think. Like, I, my I like- personal belief would be to strip it right back, but I mean that's never going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. I, I like how EA is quoting this by saying that like, the integration of both teams and limits in FIFA playtime is grounded in research that shows that having access to more information helps players feel comfortable with the, with how they play. Would they though? I mean, it, yeah, it could it, it could make them feel comfortable, but it can also make them feel like, okay, I need to spend more just to play more. No, it's um, I don't think that's how it works at all. You can go in there if you feel like you have an issue with. Um, loot boxes or playtime or if your parents do if you're young um, because they are pushing awareness for parents but I think the deal here is that you can go in there and set it to limit you to an hour a day or only open five loot boxes at a time Hmm. of course this is a bit silly on the back of um, EA advertising microtransactions Hmm. to children in toy catalogs oh no yeah Oh. And then here's, here's another quote. Uh, with combined with smart peop- smart prompts to guide choices, players were able to f- better find the comfort balance in their gaming. We will continue to evolve and adapt these tools and resources to give you even more ways to shape your gaming experience. How about you just don't? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, stop <laughs> taking advantage of your, your players. <laughs> See... I think optics alone, this looks like this looks like a good idea, but I don't know in terms of application. Mm, I think I think like they don't really care about application though, and that's the thing. They all they care about is getting it through into this regulated regulated places now. And that's the whole reason they put that force in their hand to do this. 
So yeah. the minimal amount required for them is what they're going to do, basically. Like, it's not out of the faith of their good heart that they're doing this. It's because of the regulation that the, the, the world's coming down on them. So, yeah. I mean, if they, just, if they did do more, they're, go ahead. But I highly doubt it. Not be so, not to be like the cynical idiot. I'm so sorry, but like, that's what I feel. <laughs> uh, we all got a bit cynical here. Do you, do you guys reckon this will affect EA's bottom line? Uh, possibly, but I don't think much. Minimally. I think, yeah, minimally. Look, I think. Loot boxes and all stuff. Why I don't buy AAA games anymore? I haven't bought any AAA games in like ages. It's not why I'm getting. I'm not getting PS5 or anything like that. Like I only play Indies for the most part now. Stuff on Steam, which I trust in loot boxes. I just don't. I say so. I play Genshin Impacts, but I just don't. You know, that's free to play. It's that whole paying money and then having to still have to pay money in the game. Like I would die to play New for Speed Heat, but I know EA is once again twiddling their thumbs and are now implementing microtransactions and stuff back into it, trying to at least. It's just that whole, you know. It's like, why are we paying us money for this stuff, man? Hmm. Well, with the um, with the how how do you reckon the government might re- governments might react to this? You reckon they'll they'll still ease back in their lawsuits, or you reckon they'll still go, nah, screw you, you you, you, you committed a crime? <laughs> I don't think they will. Like the whole reason that oh, pardon my yawn. Um, the whole reason they're after them is after the loot box mechanics and the addiction. This doesn't really affect that. I think maybe some places, but not all. If this becomes successful, which other franchise could you see this occur? Like, I know we're seeing this in the free franchise right now, but I reckon it will hit the NFL franchise a lot. It will hit everything that has loot boxes inside of it, I think. Anyone who's getting anything that's under fire and potentially in band, they'll implement this. I reckon FIFA and the NBA will be the big would 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 be one of the big hit hit um biggest hit. Yeah, yeah but I agree. Yeah, I'm not sure what the other game, other franchises are like NBA and NFL. Yeah, possibly. But could you see other game game um, publishers um, copying this style though? Yeah, I see it. Uh, if if it's successful though. Yeah, I think um, now EA's paved the way to actually doing something. I think a lot of other developers will copy them. Yeah, my my biggest worry is how um how how long is this um system going to be in there for like is this going to be like oh um oh no one's no one's paying attention to our things okay we'll just take away the platform we'll take away this tool we don't need it anymore well i I think i don't think they'll do that i mean they'll love to but they did that i mean the world of hurt it's it's like well you broke the law yeah Class action lawsuit. Woof. <laughs> and uh, also, like in addition, EA is setting up a page on its website to inform parents about various hardware level spending, playtime rating, and communication controls that platform holders have built into their systems. Yeah, that's good. Make sure the parents understand because it's the parents who suffer when their kid spends a thousand bucks on uh, loot boxes. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 this reminds me of that um, report that I saw a while ago, where uh, kids were ki- where kids are now subjected to spend like five hours a day of playing video games. Yeah, uh, maybe that's a bit too much. Yeah, between like school and work and games, five hours is quite a bit. But you know, if if you're a responsible adult, that's your choice. Suck it, redditors. although it's not as insane as uh china with that when it comes to gaming controls uh and what was what there's um games under 18 will be banned from playing online between 2200 to 8 2200 and 8 o'clock 
They'll be restricted to 90 minutes of gaming on weekdays and three hours on weekends and holidays. Do you reckon it's a, it's a bit of a copy? What do you mean a bit of a copy? Like uh, limiting the game uh, game times and so, uh, restricting game times. Do you mean and, a cop out? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I think ultimately it's... Ultimately, I don't think the government should be getting that involved in what people do, uh, I think. But then not everyone has parents who are good enough to or involved enough to help a kid learn the right boundaries for hobbies and work. Yeah, that's the thing. Really hard question, I think. Yeah, I think we're not in the case to really answer that one correctly. Yeah. So China's doing this sort of stuff and it's hard to um, hard to say you support China doing something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, there's hey. only the genocides and the killing thousands of protesters. And- How dare you say <laughs> such lies? <laughs> remember, hey, remember last time we said something about China, we got lots of views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because they have better computers to uh, understand that. <laughs> Man, watch out, the bots are listening. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned China in our um our show notes or something and we got hundreds of views from China. No comments or anything, just lots of views from people who might not even have been able to understand us. <laughs> All right, let's make sure we spam it multiple times this time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interesting how the game prices will also be increased when you add in the tool as well. How would they be increased? Like uh, additional um, maintenance cost for the tool, um, if it's digital. Uh, I don't think it's going to be really a whole lot. It's really just setting some flags to not allow a person's account to go over X amount of spending. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of maintenance there. And what there is, they'll just absorb because it's better for them to do this than it is for um, the law to come in and stop them from doing it at all. Hmm. That's fair. And uh, speaking of the law, we've got uh, a movie in, um, involving aliens and the law, and it's a lot. And it's a live action movie of a Disney kind. And we're done here. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, the back door's that way. Let's move out. <laughs> Damn, I suck at the segues. <laughs> So, um, if, if for those not familiar, Lilo and Stitch is coming into a live-action format. This is a mistake. <laughs> and uh, one of the direct one, one director is in talks with uh, directing this live-action movie. It is the guy behind Crazy Rich Asians. That's going to do it, Disney. <laughs> do it, Disney. So uh, Dan Lin and John Elwick of Rideback, the banner behind the billion-dollar-grossing live-action remake of Aladdin, are producing this movie. Uh, Rideback's Ryan Halperin is executive producing. And the original film was written and directed by Dean DeBlois and Chris Sanders, who later who found a claim with How to Train Your Dragon. This Hawaii-centric story is told from a bond between the lonely human girl named Lilo and a dog-like alien named Stitch who was engineered to, to be the force of destruction. Um, it wasn't a big success in the box office standards. The well-regarded movie was a bright spot for the down period of Disney's animation history. Yeah, this is a down period of Disney's live-action remakes. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, they, they ha- there's no word on um, when, when this will be uh, released theatrically or it'll be on, whether it will be on Disney but yeah it's it'll uh, be on Disney I, I, like Disney theatrical Plus, yeah. releases has been destroyed yeah because they tried what, what was they trying to release it was some movie Mulan uh, no it was Mulan it was a movie they tried releasing in theaters and it just bombed like terribly 
And it's just then everyone's just given up on theaters. Uh, <laughs> Tenet? Tenet, that's the one. Yeah, uh, at least yeah, yeah, that movie with all the hype, and then it yeah. actually comes out and nobody goes to see it because you're owner. <laughs> uh-huh. And then now all the movie series are like, oh. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're going to just do this next year. Just forget this year ever happened. Apparently, they're saying that the new James Bond movie might might, might be uh, might bring in people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James Bond has probably more um, fan recognition than Christopher Nolan, but I don't think anything's going to bring it back at the moment. Meanwhile, well, we- in Australia, with our nearly COVID-free status, we can go and see the movies, but we can't see them because America and the other countries won't get that together. <laughs> Can you oh, tell okay. I'm still bitter about June being delayed? <laughs> what, which stage of grief are you in now? Rage. <laughs> still? <laughs> Always. See, he, what do you guys reckon? A live-action Lilo and Stitch? You reckon it's a... No, a you good- see, the problem is, I was going to go see it for my birthday, but now my girlfriend's <laughs> got to find something else to get me. <laughs> And that's poor, poor man. completely throwing her plans out of whack, right? <laughs> she had plans and then they ruined them. <laughs> but what, what do you reckon? Um, a live action, another live action Disney movie. I mean, it'll make money. Everyone will hate it. Everyone will say our lives the worst thing about it. Everyone will forget about it and they'll never speak of it again. When are people <laughs> going to learn this lesson? It makes a billion dollars, but everyone hates it. <laughs> At least this one hopefully won't have anyone saying um, saying China's right. <laughs> uh, Although, to be fair, there is an evil space, space empire trying to capture a creature to lock it up and torture it. You're not wrong. <laughs> See, here's the problem with most of the Disney live actions. They try to, they try to make it as accurate as the film, but... What about Mulan? They, Mulan wasn't anywhere near as accurate, as the, accurate to the animation. What are you oh. saying? How dare you? Jungle Book's pretty accurate. <laughs> Lion well, King. It's more well, accurate to the book than the animation, but yeah, oh, the same with, Yeah, the same with Mulan as well. It was more accurate to the... Um, the to legend. The, to, yeah, to the legend. Yeah. Milan's like, we're going to make an accurate movie to the legend, and we're going to take out all the mystical stuff like the talking dragon, <laughs> and then just gave her bloody superpowers anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, can you imagine this one? Lilo has superpowers. <laughs> Lilo was the alien all along. <laughs> just do Freaky Friday, but instead it's Lilo and Stitch getting mind swapped. <laughs> Copyright me. <laughs> Yeah, you said it here, folks. You now know. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Relax. Don't do it. Sorry, that just came right into my head. <laughs> well, I, the, I hopefully that song could be one of the in one of those scientists when they make a when they make one one thing that will that might be the next step in human evolution: human monkey hybrids. <laughs> It's not really human evolution. It's more for uplifting the monkeys. <laughs> and it is the exact kind of terrifying mad science I love. 
<laughs> it's full of ethical issues, but it's incredible mad science. <laughs> oh, no. They injected human gene, like, not literally injected, but, you know, they put together a genome consisting of part monkey genes and part human genes to see if it would grow a bigger brain. And it did. <laughs> and then at 100 days, they're kind of like, well, you know, letting it be born would be crossing a line, so we're going to abort it. <laughs> yeah, as if doing it in the first place wasn't going to cross a line for a lot of people. <laughs> what was that classic line in, the, in, in those horror movies? Perhaps there are some things man was never meant to tamper with. <laughs> yeah, and as we discussed in the other night, this is basically Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Although in the Island of Dr. Moreau, it was, uh, they, they, had like the, they had the looks of the monkeys and humans, but they had an intelligence of none, though. Were they just completely stupid? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so the Facebook commenters. <laughs> yes, in this case, they're specifically looking for brain activity. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. So the next thing you know, we'll be we'll either be dancing into uh, Planet of the Apes territory or, or, or even yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also interesting because... If these creatures, these hybrids, had been brought to term and successfully bred, because I'm sure there's all sorts of issues with mixing different uh, species DNA and seeing what comes out, um, but the if they come out and survive, what what is their place in society? <laughs> How intelligent are they actually going to be? Are they going to be monkeys with human intelligence? Are they going to be slightly smarter monkeys? Are we going to use them as slave labor? Why is Amazon investing in this? <laughs> Why does this remind me of Futurama? Remember when the professor um, builds a, a makes a monkey, and at the end, oh, the gonna... monkey with the smartness hat. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, "I'm going to join business school." <laughs> and the professor's like, "No." Yeah, that episode had some great jokes. <laughs> But uh, the results from what I'm seeing here, it's uh, the monkeys, the size of the monkey's neuro neocortex increased, folding of the brain similar to how a human brain is folded was induced, the relative progenitive uh, cell type which produces neurons was increased, Spe specifically it increased upper layer neurons which are neurons that increase during evolution. Uh, this shows basically that the gene and its expression in humans is sufficient to expand and to fold the primate or the monkey brain yeah uh okay guys have you seen the uh, i know it's not almost the same thing as the gorillas but you know you know it's a classic movie flat the apes <laughs> <laughs> yep I, I i i fear what's gonna happen from this <laughs> thanks science but what do you reckon is gonna happen what they were saying here that there's some ethical questions but what, what, what ethical questions do you reckon they will come up? Well, like I mentioned, what is their place in society? Are they given full rights as humans? Mm. Are they treated as pets? Oh, boy, I can see the animal rights activists coming at us right now. Oh, yeah, this would get them really riled up. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what will get them really, really... You know what group, what group will get really, really riled up? The Christian protesters. That's a good question. Do these monkeys have souls? <laughs> Let's bring in the religious element. Uh, the monkeys have souls. Is boys. it 
can man create life? <laughs> All those dramatic things they used to say in movies, but are now going to say in real life because scientists <laughs> couldn't uh, couldn't stop themselves. <laughs> I can imagine some someone would go like, "You played God. You played God." Yeah, probably. But it does bear, a, but it does show potential that it could it, it could help. Um, it could uh, enter into the role of maybe spare parts, kind of kind Drawing of Drawing the monkey for organs for humans. Uh. Yeah, like what happened with the pigs, for example. Like, um, mm, that's an interesting question. Yeah, if um, if they created a sort of like it probably wouldn't be monkey based, but they've talked about growing organs with stem cells to create an, an organ that won't be rejected. What if it turns out the cheapest and easiest way is to not grow a clone of a human, but to take human DNA and mix it with something else and make an organ donor creature? This is going places I'd rather not go. I'll <laughs> <laughs> think about the murdering of monkeys for organ harvesting. The other question is, can the monkeys compete in sports with humans? Okay, now we're just <laughs> like, going to the next levels. This is already an issue with trans people because... What? Uh, yeah, there's a oh, big I debate see, about yeah, whether trans... <laughs> yeah, can trans people compete in sport and which um, side should they compete under? Should they compete under their uh, original gender or the one they transition to? And can I don't just make a new category? Yeah, I think there should be a new category of... I think the that's the easiest way to handle it because if you... Yeah, otherwise you're dealing with biological differences that can't be overcome by the transitioning process at the moment. Mm. Yeah. And I think if they made a sector for just trans athletes, that would be um, probably the fairest option for everyone. Mm. Hopefully. I mean, who knows? High Olympics. What are you doing? Could these monkeys enter the Olympics? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it'll be be quite a monkey show. All right. All right. That's it. See you next time. See you, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, folks. Bye bye. Yeah, we are getting way too into the deep philosophy right now. All right, yep. guys, moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, what game have you been playing, Devi boy? Oh, uh, what are we playing this week? Oh, shit. Um, you forgot well, the ad break. Uh, <laughs> the ad break? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and now for our quick quick message from our sponsors. Does anyone know what ads we actually get? What ads? Uh, what? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm really curious now. <laughs> I didn't so, realize it. So, so uh, Debbie Boy, what have you been playing? Me? I've been playing uh, a few games. I have mostly been playing um, War Thunder. I, yeah, I want to try something with tanks in it. And it's fun. And now I've had no fun. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> yeah, War Thunder's <laughs> nice as long as you don't really get into it because then you deal with the grind. Yeah. Mm. I, I, if you only want to play it once every now and then, that's fine because you don't yeah. have to wait for the characters to uh, the vehicles to repair. Exactly. I basically downloaded it, give it a shot, tried all the different uh, you know oceans, the flying and the tanks and stuff, and had some fun. Won a few rounds, and now I'm done with it. I it's just too much fucking grind. Just simply, there's just so much grind. It, it just hurts. Yeah, have you yeah. tried the other options, like the planes options? Uh, as I said, I've done Even all the planes. I've done everything. Like, it's just so much grind, and it's kind of just like, uh, I can't be bothered. I so used I'm to probably- play it a few years back, 
and yeah, too much grind. Russian vehicles have OP armor for some reason. Yeah, totally not the developers Russian. Mm-hmm. I've been playing as the British, and yes. it's kind of just like that's all right. This is just like yeah. So I'm just like nah. I'll give it a three out of five probably. Yeah, like the gameplay's solid, but the grind just kills, and it. it's just it's just not fun after like the first like six hours. Besides the grind, uh, what's the other biggest um, problem you encountered in that game? Bugs and bouncing. Holy crap! What I'm disappointed <laughs> about with um, War Thunder is that, like I said, the gameplay's solid. It's a, a pretty solid um, multiplayer air combat. Well, uh, multiple uh, doctrines now, but it used to be only air uh, mm. when I played it. It's a really good multiplayer sort of simulation style game, but it's on that more simulation than arcadey if you play on the harder difficulties but not so difficult you need a degree to play it like dcs you need to actually read the manual for how to fly the plane to figure it out mm-hmm. well thunder you can just kind of hop in and go mostly and i'm disappointed there's no good option for that anymore what i miss is they don't have any battles where you fight tanks planes and boats at the same time oh yeah it's such a missed opportunity but oh well it's what's there mm-hmm. Yeah, and then being a plane in a tank battle is like a power-up. <laughs> Actually, not really, considering in the in the plane or oh, in a tank battle, yeah. The bow battles are destroyed because all the boats, all the, all the battleships have the obviously the artillery cannons that auto-fire. Oh, so yeah. a plane in the in the boat missions is actually <laughs> high fly. Um, but in the tank battles, yeah, like no one can shoot you down, so you, you're flippantly... <laughs> yeah, there's a few um, anti-air tanks or vehicles that they have but no one takes them because there's not enough aircraft to be worth it so when the aircraft do come out no one can actually fight back yeah Uh, it just destroys the whole game like if you combine it with other aircraft and the boats as well as tanks it'll balance itself out probably because the boats would shoot the airplanes and you know yeah if the aircraft had to actually worry about other aircraft they would have less time to bomb the tanks yeah and then you could add a thing where like okay Perhaps you can have then, but I'm pretty sure they already do, but they would, don't they already have, could you, you could have like battle barges and things where you, you have like more planes you can fly off from. What do you call it? Oh, yeah. Uh, air, an air carrier. Yeah. Or then you can have the exact same thing. You have like a, a tank carrier, right? You know, you can dock at a beach and you just unload a whole army. Like, that would be cool. Like that. That would be cool. But like, there's, there's lots, so like, many missed opportunities. They've got the mechanics there already. It'll take nothing to get these game roads working. You know, they just I normally complain when World War II games add D-Day because it's been done so many times. But I would love to play a combined arms D-Day with every character being a human. I've done yeah. it in armor, and we didn't have human aircraft or anything, but that was cool. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so what else has... What do you mean, guys, play? <laughs> um, I've been playing uh, MK11. And I know, it's a, I, know, I know it's a pretty old game, but they've got some interesting... Uh, stuff that came out uh, yesterday and that is Rambo comes into Mortal Kombat oh, 11. Yeah, I saw that. How is it? Have you, have you bought them? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I bought the combat pack and stuff and yeah, it's... <laughs> when you have Stallone doing the voice in the game, it's really interesting. Good or bad? It's it's good interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, but um, like you get, he's got all these references in the movie uh, from not only in the Rambo movie but other movies as well. Mm-hmm. There's also the um, they've also other 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 characters that got added, like two fan favorites, uh, Rain as well and Melina. She's also got, um in 
in the game as well. So yeah, that's uh, the good part. The bad part about it when you have Rambo is that he doesn't really, there's not much um, powers to, to him. Like, you know, with Mortal Kombat, it's always, yes, these these people are superhuman powers, that and thing. Rambo is just, yeah, <laughs> I have a knife and a gun. What can I do? Not much. Yeah. You can take out a GTA level of police. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Seriously, do the police ever stop coming? In GTA? Um, In Rambo or GTA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of Rambo, I'm going to do a quick tangent here. Okay, so... Now, the game I found the other day was the new Terminator game. Terminator <laughs> Resistance, I think it was. Yeah. So it's made by the same devs that made the shitty Rambo game a few years ago. The on-rail shooter oh, one. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. But Term- <laughs> Terminator Resistance is flipping amazing. Okay. It's one of those things where... So put it this way. So out of two or three reviewers on Metacritic, IGN gave it... Uh, I think it was a three. Uh, and overall, Metacritic is like a four or something. I mean... Is that for Rambo? Uh, uh, the, the Terminator game they just made. So they made a Terminator license game. For Terminator so Terminator's not well rated, but you like it. Wait, wait, wait. So it's rated a four on IGN. Oh, five? On Steam, on Steam, it's rated a nine out of ten. Okay. Or a thousand <laughs> to three thousand reviewers or something. Yeah, I was thinking out of ten, so that confused me a bit. Yeah. Mind okay. you, this is the same studio that uh behind. This is the same studio that made the Rambo Rail Shooter, and it was abysmal. Yeah. We were just discussing that. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Sometimes uh, I feel like you're clever bot. Well, thank you. No, clever bot's dumb. I know, I was being sarcastic. There are better ways to do AI these days. Yeah, <laughs> clever bot just looks dumb now. Yeah, Terminal Resistance, 4,000 reviews. It is very, very positive. Uh, a 9 out of 10, and it's like, it's like, you know, it's one of those situations. Like, it's a really good game. If you want to play, like, it's bare bones, but for Terminator, it's the best thing from, since the second film. So I highly just say that's a good thing to do. Anyways, tangent over. Back to that. <laughs> My apologies. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to rate mine, um, yeah, th- 3.5 out of 5. They, I mean, they could do better work, but we might see more patches coming out. So where have you been playing, Professor? I want you to guess. Four guys. No. Metro. Yes. <laughs> you are so in love with that game how could you not Someone be help this poor man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so at the moment i'm doing the uh, well probably the most linear of the open world levels so most of the open world levels you have the um the train as a base and you go from the train out and do a mission sometimes you come back to the train in between you can go out and do missions and in whatever order you want, explore wherever you want. This one is, um, well, plot-wise, you're going from point A to point B, so it's relatively narrow and straight compared to the other uh, maps. But um, you, plot-wise, it fits well. I'm just kind of a little disappointed that it's not more open. It's still a good level, though, but it's quite long and sort of wearing fit on me, I think. I enjoy stealthy missions in the other levels, but not this one so much. I'm not sure why. Just one of those things. <laughs> uh, you can't see any big flaws in that game besides the um, usual, usual suspects? No, I don't think there's anything really to add there. Uh, so 4 out of 5? Uh, yeah, 4.3 out of 5, I think. Okay. Yeah, I remember I took a bit away for it crashing a lot. I haven't, don't think I've had any bugs in this level, which is a nice improvement. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of levels where I haven't had bugs, but uh, they're mainly the smaller <coughs> uh, linear segments. 
But this one is an open world level without bugs, so that's uh, an improvement. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so on to our shout-outs. On the 15th of November 2020, Halo Combat Evolved on the original Xbox turns 19. Developed by Bungie, the title would quickly become one of the most beloved games on the console, spawning a massive franchise for Microsoft. That was uh, Halo- 19 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Combat's not evolved anymore. It's died of old age. <laughs> it's uh, credited for modernizing the FPS genre. The game's popularity led to labels such as Halo Clone and Halo Killer applied I mean, to games. I mean, I wouldn't say it modernized the genre, considering Half Life did everything it did three years earlier. Would, would it though? I mean, it, like. No, no, okay, okay. It modernized the genre on consoles. It was yeah. the thing that brought shooters to consoles. It didn't modernize the shooter genre, but modernized the shooter genre for consoles, I think. Like, Half-Life modernized the general shooter on, like, in general, but then Halo is what brought those mechanics to the console and actually made a compelling console shooter that rivaled the PC market. Even then, before that, Half-Life was going to get a console release, so imagine if that happened and it completely overshadowed Halo. <laughs> It would be in such a different world. Oh, but uh, its sequel, Halo 2, was released for the original Xbox in 2004, and the game spawned a multi-billion-dollar multimedia franchise. Uh, one of the one of one of the inspirations um, was used in a fan-created Red versus Blue video series, which which is credited as one of the first major successes of Machinima, the technique of using real-time 3D image engines, often from video games, to create animated films. Did you guys ever watch that series? I've watched bits of it. Uh, so if you haven't read Larry Neven, go do it, because Larry Neven is where the idea for Halo... Like, Halo borrows from a lot of Golden Age sci-fi, but the Halo itself is straight up Larry Neven, and the uh, Ringworld books are great, so if you haven't read them, go do it. Mm, okay. On the 15th of November 2020, Space Jam turns 24. So, uh, <laughs> Space Jam... <laughs> are you feeling old now, Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, uh, Space Jam released 24 years ago and fans are celebrating a 90s touchstone the film presents a fictionalised account of what happened between Jordan's initial retirement from NBA in 1993 and his 995 comeback uh, in which he's enlisted by Looney Tunes to help them win a basketball match against a group of aliens you know the website is still up and it's still exactly the same as it was are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. How did you know about this? Man, what, what rock you learning me on, man? Uh, I just I just heard about the whole Heaven's Gate cult website still yeah, going. That website's still going. Oh, Space Jam's still up, man. Space Jam's <laughs> a bit more frivolous, though. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So uh, the film is, was a box office success, uh, opening at number one in North American box office and grossed uh, $230 million. It later expanded into a media franchise, uh, which included comics and games, and it's estimated to have generated $6 billion in total revenue, and it includes a wide variety of merchandise such as Air Jordans, Bugs Bunny shirts, Happy Meals, Muggsy Bogus jerseys, and Tweety gowns. <laughs> and now there's going to be a sequel. Uh-huh. Oh God! And I'm crying. Yeah. It's uh, it was, It's not going to be Jordan though. It's uh, LeBron James, from what I recall. And I the mean... ju- and the jerseys look terrible. <laughs> I love this website though. It's so nineties. Click above to find out more about our sponsors and the various hip sites that make WB Online the jamming place it is. <laughs> the wow. Jamming place it is. 
<laughs> wow, I feel so I, I feel so hip. How long has it been since you've heard someone call someone hip unironically? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. It's been 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like someone will go like, hey, the 90s cool. <laughs> they want their hip back. Oh, no, please stop saying it. <laughs> I think your grandma will want a hip back as well. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, on the 16th of November 2020, Qantas celebrates its 100th anniversary and still calls Australia home. Please you no. just Please stop. You just broke the microphone. <laughs> My ears are in pain. They're bleeding out. The blood's flowing across the floor. <laughs> oh, I kind of need a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it, yeah, so it started up as it started as a dream to link uh, outback towns by air and grew into a global icon, flying more than fifty million passengers a year around the world. Over the past century, the legacy of Qantas has grown to become much more than an airline. The flying kangaroo is now a globally recognised brand. The airline was formed in Western Australia, a good-natured outback town. Oh, Western Queensland. Sorry, I was going to uh, say, considering it's the Queensland and Northern Territory. Uh, <laughs> Air service, it would be a bit odd to be founded in WA. <laughs> so, uh, the, the so there are three cl- towns that laid the claim to the birthplace of uh, Qantas: Longreach, Cloncurry, Con- and Winton, located in the state's remote outback. Each saying that they're the true home of the national air carrier. The, in 1934, Qantas and British and British Imperial Airways formed a new company, Qantas Empire Air Empire Airways uh, Limited. And in 1947, uh, QEA was nationalised by the Australian government, led by Prime Minister Ben Shifley at the time. It was uh, <clears throat> Qantas Limited was then wound up, and after nationalisation, Qantas' remaining domestic network in Queensland was transferred to the nationally owned Trans Australian Airlines, leaving Qantas as a purely national network. And in 1957, a head office Qantas house was opened in Sydney. So according to legend, which I think is actually true, Qantas has never had a jet aircraft crash. Yeah. Although there there was that time when um, the smoke was coming out of the uh, cabins at one point. Yeah, that happens. Bad things done... happen, but they never actually, you know, kill anyone. Yeah. yeah. Qantas has never had a fatal jet airline accident. They had a couple of fatal propeller oh, accidents. Oh, hello there, Malaysian Airlines. Yeah, yeah. you want to file yeah. a complaint? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Malaysian Airlines, here's someone to look up to. <laughs> to be fair, neither incident's entirely their fault. Like, the first one was a suicidal pilot. The second one was uh, flying over a war zone and getting shot down. So, oh, yeah, wait, most airline. There, yeah. Okay, okay here, here's something interesting. They're so still what, business. Yeah. Okay, I'm surprised. Here's, here's something interesting. Okay. Uh, while Qantas never had a fatal jetliner air, aircraft, the Australian Airlines suffered severe several losses in the early days before the widespread a- adoption of the jets in the civil aviation. DJ, are you just repeating everything I say tonight? Yes. <laughs> are you even trying? I'm trying. More sleep, when, does, when does he try? Man? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, there, there are some there there are some key dates. There are some interesting dates there, and um, yeah, 
Yeah, and you'll know that there's been none since 1951. Nope. The uh, De Havilland Dragon, <laughs> that's a nice plane. Mm-hmm. Um, on to our remembrances, 16th of November 1950, Bob Smith. Uh, Robert Holbrook Smith, known also known as Dr. Bob, was an American phys- physician and surgeon who founded Alcoholics Anonymous with Bill Wilson, more commonly known as Bill W, and a nurse sig- six, uh, sister Ignatia. And that's the song we came up with, Bob the Doctor, can we drink it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Smith began drinking in college, uh, attending college um, in New Hampshire. Early on, he noticed that he could recover from drinking bouts quicker and easier than his classmates and never had headaches, which caused him to believe he was an he was an alcoholic uh, from the time he began drinking. Uh, recognizing the problem, he checked himself into more than a dozen hospitals and sanitariums in an effort to stop his drinking. Uh, he was encouraged by the passage of Prohibition in 1919, but soon discovered that the exemption for med- medicinal alcohol and bootleggers could supply more than enough to continue his excessive drinking. Man! Yeah. I think it's funny that he's like, well, I don't get hangovers, so I must be an alcoholic. I mean... <laughs> I don't get hangovers, but I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> so, 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 you know. so, he, his, so, 17 years of his life, he, it revolved around him subverting his wife's efforts to stop him from drinking and obtain the alcohol he craved for. Wow. Yeah, I hope they had a good relationship because, <laughs> you know, that can really mess up your relationship, hiding alcoholism. Yeah, but 17 years, wow, that's an achievement in itself. Like, I mean, yeah, it kind of is, but it's not one we want to celebrate. No, no, that's true. So, uh, so he met um, Brian Wilson in uh, May 12, 1935. Wilson was an alcoholic who had learned to how to stay sober thus far only only for some limited amount of time through the Oxford Group in um, New York and was close to discovering long-term sobriety by helping other alcoholics. Smith was called the Prince of 12-Steppers by Wilson because he helped more than 50, 5,000 alcoholics before his death. He died from colon cancer at the age of 71 in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism about um, Alcoholics Anonymous, but for the people they have been able to help, I'm sure it's made a difference. Yeah. Uh, Although I like The Simpsons, how they make jokes about Alcoholics Anonymous at times, but (laughs) yeah, that's another time. Uh, 16th of November 1999, Daniel Nathans, American microbiologist, he shared the 1978 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine for the discovery of restriction enzymes and their application in restriction mapping. Uh, Wanting to break from his medical residency, he became a clinical associate at the National Cancer Institute at National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. He split his time between caring the patients and... um, and researching on recently discovered plasma cell um, tumors in mice, similar to human multiple myeloma. Nathan was was also given uh, six honorary doctorates over the span of his career. He died from leukemia at the age of 71 in Baltimore, Maryland. In the 16th of November 2005, Henry Taub, a Canadian-born American chemist noted for having um, been awarded the 1983 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his work in the mechanisms of electron transfer reactions, especially in metal complexes. He has held over 600 publications, including one book, and mentored over 200 students during his career. Taub's interest in coordination um, chemistry was sparked when he discovered a 
a course on advanced um, inorganic chemistry while at the University of Chicago. He was unable to find much information in the textbooks available at the time. So he's uh, so uh, he realized his work on substitution could be related to inorganic chemistry. Uh, his discovery was a way of molecules to build a chemical bridge rather than simply exchanging electrons as previously thought. And so his paper uh, in chemical reviews was developed while in sabbatical, and an article in Science called this paper one of the true classics in inorganic chemistry after winning the uh, p- the prize. After being awarded, Talbot noticed a side benefit to the prestigious award. His students paid better attention in class. He died at the age of 89 in pa- Palo Alto, California. That's Look, I'm not going to judge. If that's what it takes to get people to pay attention to you, go get a PhD. Yeah. Can can you imagine um you you fellas imagine you getting like uh PhDs and all of a sudden you start lecturing and they start looking at you? <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I walked in and started lecturing, people would be looking at me because I'm not a real professor. <laughs> so uh onto our famous birthday. And if you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> So uh, on to our famous birthdays, uh, 16th of November 1914, Eddie Chapman, an English criminal and wartime spy. During the Second World War, he offered his services to Nazi Germany as a spy and subsequently became a British double agent. His British Secret Service handlers codenamed him Agent Zigzag, an acknowledgement for his rather erratic personal history. He was a safe cracker during the early days, and he and the gangs utilized um, Jellic Jack Knight to gain entry to safes, leading Chapman and his associates to be known as the Jelly Gang. Man, they so so such good names. So yeah, he was uh, arrested. So he, he was dining with his former, with his lover and future fiance at the Hotel de la Plage immediately before his arrest, and he saw plainclothes officers coming to arrest him for crimes on the mainland. Uh, made a spectacular exit by running through the dining room window, which was shut at the time. Man, this sounds like an action movie. So uh, during the Second World War, he was involved in doping of dogs and greyhound racing and was associated with criminal elements in the West End nightclubs. He was also discreet about the sources of his income, so MI5, being unable to control him, dismissed him, and they gave him a £6,000 payment from MI5 and was allowed to keep the £1,000 of the money of the Germans that gave him. And he was granted a pardon for his pre-war activities and was reported by MI5 to be living in fashionable places places in London, always in the company of beautiful women of apparent culture. He uh, had two fiancés at the same time, each in opposing um, war zones. He was still betrothed to Frida Stevenson in Britain while when he met Dragma Lalam in um, Norway. Stevenson was being financially assisted through MI5 and Lalam was being treated by Von Groening. He abandoned both women after the war and instead married his former lover, Betty Farmer, whom he left in a hurry at the, at the hotel. He was born in Bruno, Bruno Field. Man, that's uh, that's that should be a movie in itself, man. This is uh, this is a hell of a story. Sixteenth uh, of November, nineteen forty-four. Oliver Britic, uh, develop, British developmental psychologist who is involved in research on infant visual perception. He specialized in infant vision, especially visual and visuomotor development of the dorsal and ventral streams in infants and child. Uh, children. In addition to working on infant vision, he and his colleagues showed the adults attempting to grab a glowing item in the dark had longer reach duration, lower average speed, as well as lower peak versus lower speed, lower spe- peak speed versus the same situation in the light. A 
according to Braddock, uh, reliable motion perception needs a number of processes that integrate and combine visual motion signals from neighboring locations within the field of vision. This has the same effect of smoothing out spatial variations in velocity. He was born in England. Yeah, it's really interesting how little of what your eyes see is actually, like, how much post-processing there is for what your eyes see. Oh, it's times Basically, of- the image you see in your brain is almost nothing like what your eyes actually detect. Yeah. I mean, I mean, our brains must be must have a, like multiple terabytes of data to process, and trying to get it in, to get it perfectly done is impossible. Impossible to replicate in an android. Yeah. Also, br- human brains are water cooled. That's what true. What do you think the blood's for? That's true. That's actually true. And the sixteenth of November, nineteen fifty-two, Shigure Miyamoto, Japanese video game designer, producer, and game director at Nintendo. Where he serves one of the best, one of its representative directors. He's the creator of some of the most acclaimed and best-selling game franchises of all time, including Mario and The Legend of Zelda. How can one person have like such a hits list? Oh, it's Nintendo. They're great. <laughs> so uh, the games helped Nintendo and the NES to dominate the console game market, and especially after the video game crash of 1983. His games have been flagships of every Nintendo video game console from the arcade machines of the late 1970s to the present day. Uh, Miyamoto and Nintendo as a whole do not use focus groups. Instead, Miyamoto figures out if a game is fun for himself, he says that if he enjoys it, others will too. He elaborates citing the conception of the Pokemon series as an example. And that's the point not to make something sell, some, uh, something sell something very popular, but to love something and make something that we creators can love It's the very core feeling we should have in making games. Miyamoto wants wants players to experience Kyokan. He wants the players to feel about about the games what the developers felt themselves. He then tests tests it with uh, family and friends. He encourages younger developers to consider people who are new to gaming, for example, to have them switch their dominant hand with their other hand to feel the experience of an unfamiliar game. He was born in Sonobi, Kyoto. What a legend. And uh, now to our events of interest, 16th of November, 1849, Fyodor Dostoevsky is sentenced to death on the... 16th of November 1849, a Russian court sentenced Dostoevsky to death for his allegedly anti-government activities linked to a radical intellectual group. His execution stayed at the last minute. And on the Dece- on December 22nd, 1849, Dostoevsky was led, be- led before the firing squad, but received a last-minute reprieve and was sent to the S- Siberian labor camp where he was wor- worked for four years. He was released in 1854 and worked as a soldier on the Mongolian frontier. He married the widow and finally returned to Russia in 1859. Imagine being in front of the firing squad and instead of being shot, just hearing them go, pew, pew, pew. (laughs) It's like, April Fools! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that that would be great. Uh, In 1866, he published Crime and Punishment, one of his most popular works. In uh, 16th of November 1945, German scientists brought to the United States to work on rocket technology. In a move that stirred up controversy as part of Operation Paperclip, the United States ships 88 uh, German scientists to America to assist the nation in in production of rocket technology. Most of the men have served under the Nazi regime and critics in in the United States questioned the morality of placing them in the service of America. Realizing the import- importation of scientists who so had recently worked in the Nazi regime and so hated by Americans was a pu- 
delicate public relations situation. The U.S. military cloaked the operation in secrecy and in announcing the p- a plan, a military spokesperson merely indicated that some German scientists who had worked on rocket development had volunteered to come to the United States and work for a very moderate salary. The United's, the I mean, US sure go- they volunteered, but the mm. alternative was not having a job because the government you worked for was being destroyed yeah. or being picked up by the Soviets. <laughs> Upon their arrival in the United States on November 16, newsmen and photographers were not allowed to interview or photograph the newcomers. The U.S. government continued to remain somewhat vague about the situation, stating only that certain outstanding German scientists and technicians were being imported in order to take full advantage of these significant developments, which are deemed vital to our national security. And man, what developments they made. Yes, and it's so rather poignant that it's happened this week, isn't it? That uh, they've had the second launch of Crew Dragon with a a crew. Yeah. It's the first operational launch. And uh, I think it was... ULA launched a flight as well this week. Yeah, they launched uh, Atlas V with uh, new solid rocket boosters. And uh, finally, on the 16th of November 1984, Night of the Comet was released. Uh, this was this cult classic uh, premiered in theaters. And it's a science fiction comedy horror film written and directed by Thomas I'm not going to try remember. Tom, whatever the name is, <laughs> I'm not going to try. And this is the plot. It's the first comet to buzz buzz our planet Earth in 65 million years, and everyone seems to be celebrating its imminent arrival. Everyone except Regina Belmont and her younger sister, Samantha, two valley girls who care about fashion trends rather than celestial phenomena. But upon daybreak, when the girls discover that they're the only residents of Los Angeles, whom the comet hasn't vaporized or turned into a zombie, they they would do what all valley girls do. They go shopping. However, with the help of a friendly truck driver, the girls save Earth and escape from flesh-eating zombies and blood-seeking scientists in hot pursuit. Now, the comic grossed uh, $14.4 million in the US on a $700,000 budget, and it's been considered a cult classic, influencing the creation of Buffy Summers. And uh, here's some interesting facts. So while writing the screenplay, uh, the director asked teenagers for their input on what would they do if they survived the, the end of the world. And uh, brick dust was used to represent the dust that that uh, humans and animals uh, turned to, turned into after being exposed to the comet trail. Yeah, that kind of reminds me. It's sort of a. Have you ever heard of the movie The Quiet Earth? Uh, no. Okay, it's a sci-fi movie where this guy wakes up and he's the only person left on on Earth. Everyone else has gone missing. And right at the beginning, he basically does his bucket list. He goes and buys clothes and uh, drives a train. <laughs> Basically does whatever he wants to. Yeah, but isn't that similar to, like, I Am Legend and Omega Man and all those ones? Probably. I understand why now. <laughs> See, okay. No oh, tangent, Brad. I love Billions Run Time Out. Um, I try to install Genshin Impact to my phone, right? <laughs> and um, I now see why. I can never see when I uh, search the App Store apart from on PC. Your phone doesn't support it? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what model is your phone? It's an Oppo mid-range one. So it's like something like $250. So it's just not powerful enough. How old is it? Are you here? Wow. Yeah, it doesn't support it. It's the only high-end phones are allowed in Genshin Impact, I guess. This mm-hmm. <laughs> There's incompatible with all your devices. Oh, I'm sorry I'm fucking poor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, man. No, it's yeah. Let you finish up. Sorry, man. Oh, that's okay. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, they can find oh, us on. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
they can find us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, they can find us on that'sarcanon.com where we have an archive of our old episodes. Uh, they can also find us on Pod Hero. On Pod Hero for $5 a month, you can support us and other That's Not Canon podcasts. Your subscription is split between the podcast. Oops. Your subscription is split between the podcasts that you listen to. Give us money, please. We're dying. (laughs) The rice machine's broken and we're run out of rice. (laughs) I mean, I've got a bit of blubber to keep me going, but uh, DJ's not looking good. Oh, help me. That's pretty tasty, I'll be honest. Might have to turn to cannibalism. (laughs) Please. the new That's Not Canon podcast this week is Drowning Verdict, about true crime in depth. It's uh, hosted by author Charles Mahoney, named after his upcoming novel. So uh, that's all we have for today. Take care of yourselves, stay hydrated, and uh, hooroo! We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Please give money. We're dying. I need the, <laughs> I need the right. Run fast. There it is, yes. Here we go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.